All right. How's everybody doing, Emmanuel? It is an honor to be able to be here, especially on a Kingdom Builders Focus. Uh, Venture and Emmanuel have been partners for a long time. And uh, if you're new to the story, I will tell you this. Pastor Nate has been was one of the earliest adopters of coming alongside a venture when it was just some college students that wanted to uh, respond to missions, that God was doing something in their heart, and they read in Scripture, and they heard about the need, and they wanted to do something. And there was Pastor Nate jumping right in. And since then, we've had so many different kinds of engagement from... Um, Pastor Phil and the entire youth team and how they've engaged with Speed the Light and 30 for Freedom if you have run or if you have given money to that. In the past, we've done Bike for Burma. We've done uh, Hope for Dinner. Most recently, Pastor Darren has been literally one of the greatest voices advocating for the work that we do in rescuing girls and providing relief to refugees and sharing the hope of the gospel in planting churches. So to be here, to be able to say thank you is so deeply meaningful. Most of all, I want to thank you. If you've given at any point to Kingdom Builders, I want to say thank you. I recognize your generosity, and for so many of you, your sacrifice. And I love what Kingdom Builders can and does do in our hearts because Kingdom Builders to me is not just an invitation for us, what we can do for other people, but Kingdom Builders, I believe it's like a portal. It unlocks, it helps us realize what God's doing in the world, what we see in Scripture. And I, I recognize that Venture's only one organization. I was looking through this incredible uh, catalog here of all of the different organizations. And I will just say, side note to the media team, incredible job communicating this, but, but we're just one. This is a prayed for group, a strategic group internationally like Convoy of Hope and Project Rescue and Live Dead or, or closer to home like Union Gospel Mission and, and Teen Challenge and Reach 25, these, this group that has been prayed for that the leadership and we believe is a representation of what we see in Scripture. We believe that it's part of what it means to be a Christ follower that is not just about what God is doing in us, but what he invites us to be a part of. And, and if there's one thing that I, when I hold this, I just go, man, the kingdom's big. I love that the theme is everyone everywhere. Because sometimes I have to get my head out of my proverbial, well, I just got to get my head up, okay? Because sometimes I'm so focused on what's going on with just my family, my job, my situation, my finances, even my own spiritual journey that I forget that I can look up and I'm invited, even while I'm in the midst of my own stuff, to be a part of something big. And as we were worshiping, I couldn't help but think of just a big, deep breath of air. If you've ever been sick, maybe something respiratory, and you can't get full breaths of air, you know that there's something powerful about when you're healthy and you can just fill up those lungs. And so if you're able to, I'm gonna invite you to just fill up those lungs with me real quick, real quick. Everybody breathe in. What we feel right here, that's a picture of the kingdom. It's just bigger. And when we expand with the kingdom, something powerful happens. Now, Venture, we serve in the tough places. And here's what we mean by tough places. The tough places is the intersection, like you saw in the video, of unsafe, unreached, and under-resourced. Unsafe, we serve in areas where up to 90% of the girls are being trafficked. And I will just say this, because sometimes causes sound like bumper stickers, and they're like, yeah, we want to fight human trafficking. But in the areas where we serve, when we're talking about human trafficking, what we 
are talking about is girls being pre-purchased in utero and then being sold at age 9, 10, and 11, and when they are being abused mentally, physically, and sexually 20 and 30 times a day. These are unsafe places. We serve in places where the greatest refugee crisis is happening, where most of us have never even heard about it, where there is literal ethnic genocide happening. And it's in those places where we can respond with food and with the hope of the gospel. We, we serve in a country where it's illegal for groups to meet larger than nine people because the government wants to suppress thought and expression and religious freedom. So these are the unsafe places, and then we intersect that with the unreached. And unreached is simply places where less than 2% of gospel witness. That means for out of every 100 people, Less than two have heard that there's a God that loves them, that there's a God that has a design for everybody to thrive, where everybody has value, where everybody has purpose. And then unsafe, unreached, and under-resourced. We serve in areas where less than 1% of all Christian giving goes on the globe. You think about that, that might be one of the greatest injustices, the places where there's the biggest need and the least amount of Jesusness there. That's a real word if you look in the Greek, Jesusness. Um, the least amount of resources are going. And so when I talk about this, this list of praying what it looks like for us to engage in the kingdom, one of the places where we're engaging is where it needs it the most. And so this is what it looks like because of partnerships with Churches like Emmanuel, we are in those communities and we partner with people that have been born and raised and understand the difficulty of the situation. People that are Christ followers because God is moving every part of the world. And these people are born and raised and they have a passion and, and insight from God in how to respond to these needs. And so we do things like refugee feeding programs, safe houses, border patrol stations, feminine hygiene, farming and agricultural initiatives in church planting. And because of your generosity, when I come up here, and I know it's early, but I'm a couple of coffee, cups of coffee in, and I'm really excited because I want to say thank you because what God is doing, that deep breath, this big thing that's Kingdom Builders just last year, because of our partnership, we were able to provide more than 9 million meals to refugees. 9 million meals every single day. Because of partnerships with churches like Emmanuel, last year we cared for 500 girls who were rescued from trafficking. You have to understand, a girl can either be abused 20 and 30 times a day, but 500 of them have a safe place to live. And they're receiving counseling, and they're receiving food and education, and they're being introduced to the hope of the gospel. And here's what we know, not every rescued girl becomes a church planter, but so many of them are so good at sharing the gospel and going back to their community, and I'll share some of those stories. We also have invested in feminine hygiene because one of the greatest ways to help young women understand how God made them and their imago day is to teach them about their body, and here's what we know. When we give women the resources and the power, they will lead in their communities. They will speak truth to power. They will get their land back. They will lead their families, and they will plant God's church. And if there's one thing we know is that the greatest source of transformation for an individual or a community is the presence of a local church. 
And so with every project and program and every place that we go and every partner that we choose to work alongside of, we implement church planting. And last year alone in unreached places, places that have never heard the name of Jesus, just last year, our partners planted over 1,200 churches in unreached areas. So this... This is why I get excited about being here on a Kingdom Builder Sunday because we are emphasizing this, this air in our lungs that remind us that what we are doing is something bigger than just what's happening in our individual lives. What's happening in your life is important. And while you are navigating that, we get to be a part of something. And so Emmanuel, I know sometimes you can hear numbers like 9 million meals or 500 girls or 1,200 churches, and and that's kind of just like a Rolodex of impact, but let me tell you what you all did. Last year, you invested in a border rescue station on the border of Nepal and India. There is a space where girls, 9, 10, 11, are told to walk across the border to find better work on the other side are traffickers. You all invested in a border patrol station that stands at that border and counsels girls, thousands of girls, and rescues hundreds of girls. One of the girls that's been affected by this program, her name's Sushila. Sushila was born to an impoverished community so poor that her parents sold her as a child bride to, I was gonna say gentleman, but I'm just gonna say a human in India. When she got there, her husband started beating her and he ended up trafficking her. At times he would beat her, he would electrocute her, he would lock her in the bathroom at one point. All she had was bathroom water for four straight days just to survive, but Susila found the courage to find rescue through the border patrol stations that you all have helped to fund. And not only did she find rescue and freedom, but because she was free, Sushila decided that she was going to give the rest of her life to rescue girls just like her. She is working, this is a picture of her working on the border. She is a watcher. And she watches on the border for girls that were in her same situation. But not only that, not only has she given her entire life now to rescue other girls, this year she was given an award because she helped to take down the largest trafficking ring in her region, the very ring that tried to traffic her. Now she rose up and she took it down. You know why? Because freed people are created to free people. When people experience freedom, spiritual and physical, one of the natural responses and invitation is for us to be a part of other people being freed. What I love about this story of Shashila, and Shashila is just one. Remember, we have an entire catalog. Think about it. I get to share some stories, but they're, they're just our stories, our stories that represent our three or four lines in this catalog. Can you imagine the stories that are connected to every single organization, local and global, in this thing? And here is Shashila, who is giving her life as a representation of what we get to do, those of us who have experienced freedom, our invitation to be a part of kingdom movement. Here's what I know, is that the way the kingdom moves is big. I can't speak for you, but I'll speak for me. It's bigger than I normally pay attention to. It's bigger than I feel. It's bigger than my current situation. It's bigger than what I'm dealing with with parenting, which is a very real thing. It's bigger than what's going on with my business or my finances. It's big and it's life-giving. And this That's why I love kingdom builders. Because what we are invited into is something beautiful. What we are invited into is to participate in something that God is doing around the world. Kingdom builders is not just about what we do for them, but what happens inside of us. 
In Mark 4, Jesus tries to explain to folks like you and I and the listeners of that day what this kingdom movement looks like. This big movement that's hard for us to understand. So he gives three pictures, three images of what kingdom builders is really all about. And so we turn to Mark 4. I'm going to start in verse 21. I'm going to read through verse 32. And then we're going to talk about three pictures of how we can better understand the invitation that we have to participate in what God is doing around the world. Because God is moving around the world. Starting with verse 21, it says, He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or under a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever will be given more, whoever does not have, even when they have, it will be taken from them. And in verse 26, he gives a second picture and he says, he also said that this is what the kingdom is like. A man man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, that seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in its head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Verse 30, the third picture. And again, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? It's like a parable shall we use to describe it. It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. And yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. The word of God for the people of God. So here is what Jesus is saying. He's having a conversation with folks like you and I in this particular context. He's talking to folks on the side of a mountain who have questions about what it means. In various different states of being, becoming Jesus followers, he's trying to help them, move them along and say, this is what you have decided to be a part of. This movement, this hopeful movement, and he gives, he gives three pictures. In the first picture, he gives is a lamp. And he says in 21, he says, don't you bring a lamp? Do you put it under a bowl or a bed? Nope, instead you put it on a stand. Light. For us to understand what we get to be a part of with kingdom builders in the broader context of what Jesus is doing around the world is to understand light. And light is used in scripture more than 200 times. All the way at the very beginning in Genesis, the first thing God creates is light to revelation where God is light throughout it in in Psalm 8 and in Micah 7. And throughout scripture, we see that God is referred to as light. And then if we move forward, we go to Mark, and Mark says that we are light in multiple places. In John 1, one of my favorite things, he says that Jesus is light. In John 1, it says that light shines in the darkness, and darkness shall not and cannot overcome it. And maybe if I pause for just a second, some of y'all need to hear that. Maybe you won't hear anything about kingdom builders or these organizations or what we get to do, but maybe right now you just need to know that darkness cannot overcome the light that's happening in your life. Some of you feel overwhelmed, some of you feel tired, and understandably so, light shines in the darkness, and darkness cannot overcome it. This is the picture that he gives, and he says, hey, light, he's talking about this bowl, this lamp, and it would be like a, 
like a clay pot with oil and a wick floating in it. And he says, what do, you, what do you do with that? Do you put it under a bushel? If you remember, maybe some of you are singing that song, hide it under a bushel. No, never mind anyway. Um, or under a bed. No, we don't hide it. It's supposed to be up on a stand. And this is a picture for us. I, I love the idea of light because light is something that a primitive culture can understand and a deeply scientific culture can understand. It's something that a young child can understand and it's something that a grown adult can understand. Is light makes a difference. Light, I, okay, so I'll, I'll help you out. Have you ever stayed at a hotel, you wake up in the middle of the night and you really gotta go? I mean, you gotta go, right? But you get up and it's dark and you're a little bit disoriented and you don't know how to find that bathroom and I'm telling you something's gonna give really quickly and, and you're stumbling and you're a little bit scared and whatever and all of a sudden you find the light switch and you flip it on and yes, it hurts your eyes, but guess what, you're not gonna pee your pants. That's biblical, okay? <laughs> This is basically what Jesus probably said, okay? He's saying, let me help you understand when you are feeling afraid, when you are feeling disoriented, when you're not sure where you're at, light is there to help you get you where you wanna go. They would know that light was critical to the process of growing whatever they were growing in an agrarian society. They would know that light brings hope if you've ever been out at night, you might love the stars, but if you've been out in the middle of the woods late at night and you hear a sound, you love a flashlight. You love something that gives you a little bit of hope, a little bit of direction, and this is what, this is what Jesus is saying, helping all of us, whether we are super smart or more like Pastor Nathan. Anywhere on the spectrum, you can understand that light, light's a good thing. Light brings a sense of calm a sense of direction, a sense of order. Light helps us grow. And these are the things that Jesus is saying, hey, if you wanna know about the kingdom, know about light, and he says, and you, you're created to be light. Not only is God light and Jesus is light, but now you as Christ followers, you are light. And sometimes I think we, maybe because we are a fairly packed house of many Scandinavians feel like our spiritual journey is very personal. And we don't want to get up in people's business. But Jesus gives us permission not to be up in people's business, but to be available and to be light in the places where there is a lack of hope. This is a good reminder to me because I grew up in a movement and in a church that really emphasized, man, you gotta go evangelize. And I will tell you, there are so many places in scripture where we are supposed to evangelize. This house is a evangelical house. But sometimes I got so overwhelmed, I didn't know who to talk to or whatever. And, and sometimes this idea of being light, we, we have tricked ourselves and, and created it a little bit more like social media and politics. And we've gotta talk someone into our belief structure. Or maybe you've had contentious conversations with your family or, or members. And, and Jesus isn't talking about contentious conversations. He's saying, be light. Be a source of hope. Can I just invite you? You don't have to talk everybody into what you believe, but would you consider that you are light? You could be a source of hope and direction when people are feeling alone and lost. One of the things that I, I love about light is not only the light that we see, but Check this out, the light that we don't see. Okay, so um, one of my favorite movies this year was last year, one of my favorite books that I read, and it's called All the Light You Cannot See. It's a great book. Uh, it's a book about a blind girl in France who is in Nazi-occupied France in World War II, and you, 
You would think with that disclaimer that all the light you cannot see is really about this girl who's blind. But it's, it's a little bit of a more um, in-depth title because do you know that there's light that we can't see? There are light waves that we can't see, microwave, gamma wave, even radio waves, that's all considered light. There are things happening and moving that we can't see but are still in motion, which brings us to this second, and it's the ground. And here's what he says. He says this picture. In verse 26, he says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's a man, and he scatters seed on the ground, and night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. As Jesus invites people to understand that, yeah, you get to be light, man. You get to be a source of hope. You get to share. You get to invest. You get to be a part of what I'm doing. But please know this. There's a part that only I'm doing. All the light we cannot see. There are things happening that you cannot see that you do not know, but it's happening. And I will pause right there. Maybe some here and online and at our campuses, you need to know that God is at work. There is light that you cannot see that is in motion. There is light. He is working. One of the things that I love about working with our international partners is it's an opportunity to step back and to see what God is doing in beautiful ways and to see what the kingdom looks like in a different context than just where I live in North Minneapolis. And one of our partners, his name is Raju, and, and Raju serves in Nepal, and Raju is a pastor in Nepal. He also started one of the safe houses that we partnered with, and, and not only that, but he at one point was rescuing uh, over 700 girls, and God put on his heart to continue to pastor. Now, it would have been easy for him to just do the anti-trafficking thing, and he was like, I'm going to do both. I'm going to pray. God put on his heart to pray for 92 provinces, 92 places that hadn't heard the gospel, unreached people groups. And he starts praying, he starts praying. And all of a sudden, he bumps into something called DMM. It's called the Disciple Making Movement. This movement that God was doing wasn't his strategy, wasn't his plan. He didn't do a whole bunch different. But he starts investing in praying for these communities, these 92 places that have never heard the gospel. And guess what? Over the last three years, Raju and his team have planted more than 5,000 churches. 5,000 churches in just three years. We talk to pastors and missionaries in those places. They are crying. They are in tears going, this is only what God can do. This is a move that only God can do. This last year, we got to be a part of a mass baptism of more than 1,000 people. And then there was prayer, um, a, a, glow, a national prayer of over 6,000 people praying. And you have to understand, in this area, this is historically unheard of. And that's because the kingdom is also soil. It's ground. And God is the center of what he wants to do. Now that doesn't mean that, yes, we are light and we should be ready to share. And God is the center and he's doing powerful things like planting more than 5,000 churches that are reproducing and reproducing. And it doesn't mean we just sit back and watch because we are invited. And so he gives us our third picture and in verse 30, he says, okay, so what should the kingdom look like? I'm going to give you one more. It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. I love this picture. Now, 
Now, mustard seeds are only talked about five times in Scripture, but every single time, it's this ratio of small to big, okay? He's saying, hey, you got something. You have something that you can use, and when you do, big things happen. One more time, everybody take a big, this is what God wants you to be a part of, this life-giving air into the universe, this thing that is reconciling and redeeming and restoring and bringing salvation to all people. This is the invitation. He says, what you bring to the table matters. Last week, Nate, uh, in the video, talked about all of our little things added up together does something incredible, and I'm here to tell you it absolutely does. But sometimes we get focused on the mustard seed and we almost use it as an excuse that we just have to give a little bit. And it's not about what size we give, it's about the ratio of what he does. So whether you're a student and you can give $5 a month or whether you're somebody that writes a $50,000 check, the point is that this, this, this mustard tree, which by the way gets to be 20 feet high and sometimes 30 feet wide, it's the largest of all things where birds can come and safely root. This is a, a beautiful picture that we get to be a part of that. That there is this chain reaction, light, one of the things that light does is it creates chain reactions. Light affects the seed that's in the soil. We get to put the seed in there and then God does incredible things. So if I go back to that picture with, with Pastor Raju, there was a woman in that picture. And that woman's name is Hannah and Many of you have heard Hannah's story or maybe seen Hannah's video. If you're a student and you were at MYC, you got to see Hannah in person. Last time I was here, I told Hannah's story. Hannah's story is incredible. She is from the lowest caste. She is literally in her country considered nothing. And here's what I mean by that. They don't even count them as citizens. She's poor. She's female. She was pre-purchased when she was in utero. She was a child soldier. She was on her way to being trafficked. Her sister was trafficked was abused an estimated 20,000 times, but Hannah found safety in one of the safe houses that you all have been a part of if you have invested in 30 for Freedom at any point. She not only received counseling and education, she became a Christ follower. And there is something, there is an anointing on her. If you've ever been even in her realm, in her sphere, there is such an anointing on her. She came over to the U.S. and, and she shared her story because she was the first person to graduate, first female body person to graduate from high school. And when she got here, people were so amazed that they wrote two books about her. She was on a national news uh, story. She was offered two full-ride scholarships to universities. She was offered citizenship, and she found herself living in a multi-million dollar house just off the coast in Miami. A beautiful redemption story of a young person that grows into this powerful entity and a beautiful woman of God. And then there was a global health crisis, and she felt like God called her to go back, that there was more seeds to plant. And so she goes back, she leaves the million dollar mansion and she rents a 400 square foot apartment and she allows 10 other women to live with her. And let me tell you, I live with five women. And anyway, um, she, she lives with these 10 women and she starts asking God and she says, what can I do to help the most vulnerable? This was me, how can I help? And she starts an organization called Himalayan Entrepreneurial Resources that starts investing in feminine hygiene training and, and women empowerment, rescuing girls and church planting, imagine that, this body woman that continues to take this little 
what everybody would say is an insignificant seed and continues to grow. And, and over the last year, she's trained over 45,000 women in feminine hygiene and personally has rescued 53 girls with her own bare hands, has gone and flown. She's planted a church in a brothel. She's plant, planted a church in a prison. But here's, here's what I came to tell you. She also saw that there were girls like her who were vulnerable after they graduated from high school. And she identified the 37 most vulnerable girls within her sphere. And she said, God, give me a vision for what to do for these 37 girls. And the vision was to build a facility where they could live together communally. They could start a church together. They could receive counseling. And her dream was that every single one of them would be able to pick whatever education, whatever vocational training. Picture this. She gave up her full ride scholarship to come back. And she went out and she raised the money for the building. She helped raise the money for all 37 of them to pick whatever they want to do. Some want to be lawyers, some want to be bankers, some want to be baristas. Doesn't matter. This little seed is growing into this big tree where lots of birds can find shade and we're a part of that. You all are a part. Why I get so excited about kingdom builders is because the invitation for us is to understand the kingdom movement that we are supposed to be light. And that there is an element that only God can do, but then we're invited to give our seed. We're invited to give what we can. And so this year, Emmanuel, with your investment, you're going to not only help those young girls, but we're going to double it for girls like Sarmilla. Watch her story. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into the community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.